Uh, this is our last Sunday doing the Blessed Life. I think it'd be sad to not see that little peppy video every week. Man. Hey, before we jump into this last sermon on the Blessed Life series, I just want to walk through just for a moment what Mexico's all about because I know it's not normal for a church to take over half of its congregation into a different country. And so let me just explain to you just for a second why this is such a powerful trip and why I want to wholeheartedly recommend that you come, your kids come, your grandkids come, your neighbors come. And, and, and here's why. It's, it's about the only weekend mission trip I've ever seen. So we leave Thursday night. It's like three and a half days. Thursday night, come back on Sunday night. Um, the cost is extremely low. It's $200 for an adult, $100 for a youth, $50 for a kid. But here's what we always say. If the money is going to impede you, just sign up and let's believe God. I've actually never seen someone who was believing God to come on this trip not get to go because of finances. It's amazing. God does extraordinary things. And, and here is what the trip is all about. It's three components. And this is why it so impacted my life. You have a church retreat, so it's really getting close to each other and, and us having these great times of worship. Our whole band goes, we preach in the morning. In the afternoon, it's a service project. So you guys know we're really invested in orphanages in Mexico. So this is where we paint, we work, we serve, we play with kids. It's really a service project in the afternoon. And in the evening, for a couple hours, we're out in parks. And, and we have a, a dance team, a drama team, a drum team, and then we share the gospel. We pray for the sick. Most people see their first person come to know Jesus on the streets of Mexico. That's where I did. Uh, and many people see their first miracle on the streets. It'll just blow your mind. So I just want to encourage you to make every effort to come, especially if you're saying, hey, this is a, a bigger church. How do we really get to know each other? This is the opportunity. We get together on teams and Here's, here's the other thing. I know that some people are afraid of Mexico. I want to tell you, this is my 16th year to be leading a team into Mexico. By God's grace, we've never had an incident. Uh, we stay in an embarrassingly nice hotel, uh, four-star hotel. All the meals are prepared there. It's, it's really nice. In fact, too nice. So you don't need to tell your friends when you come back that. But we do that just because this is a, our first step into missions. We actually have a security team at the hotel, and we actually even have police officers that go with us into these parks. And they stand there and, and you know, uh, monitor our safety. So this is for you. So listen, if you're interested in going, you haven't been before, stay after the service. Jonathan, one of our pastors, will be doing a 15-minute a informational meeting, and you can bring your questions to that. want to encourage you to come. Now, I heard Kendall did an awesome job last week preaching. Here's the, great, here's the great thing. This is what I love about this church is you guys aren't just hearers of the word, but you're doers of the word. So we gathered before in our pre-service prayer time. We have about 60 people there and just had testimony after testimony about how God was using people in their workplace this week, even people coming to Christ in workplaces. So thank you, church, for being so responsive to the word of God. I, I was in England. I think you guys knew that. I was working with 
uh, our network church there, preaching there, and man, it had such an incredible time. One of the one of the great things is they said, you know, here in England, people don't respond as passionately. So usually at the end of our services, our ministry times, you know, the British they sit stuffy and. And uh, it was so cute. All my friends that are over there as missionaries, you know, they're American. Their kids are, have these thick Yorkshire accents. So they're, they're like, Mom, may you pass the butter, please? And I'm like, this is, this is an American kid. Oh, it was so funny. One, one kid, like, I, I went by and knocked, like, hit him on, on accident, like, bumped him. And she's like, you hit me in the bum. Anyway, hilarious. So... I don't know if you should talk about that in church, but uh, at the end of the service, I was, I was sharing some testimonies of what has been going on around here. And I shared about one woman who came into one of our services not knowing Jesus yet. And she had some tremendous pain in her past from some bad things that had happened to her. And in one of the services, Jesus speaks to her and says, do you want me to take away that pain? Now, that's pretty cool. She didn't believe in Jesus. Jesus spoke to her. And she went and talked to a friend and said, uh, Jesus took away the memory of this horrible thing that happened to me. And the next day she got saved. And so I was telling the story. And at the end of the service, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And they said, you know, people don't really respond. I said, man, if you want to respond to this message, just come up front, get on your knees. Also, this people on their knees all over the staff of the church is going, what in the world's going on? And there's this young African woman in the center, and so uh, uh, we're just, different people are praying for her. And she grabs one of the staff women. This was her first service there. I didn't know who she was, but one of the, her first service there. And she says, um, I'm, I'm in human trafficking. I've been a, a sex traffic, and I want that. How do I give my life to Jesus now? Isn't that awesome? So the church, I mean, the church was ecstatic that this happened, and... Uh, let, me, let me just tell you, though, that this trip had a rocky beginning. It didn't start off blissful. I get on an airplane, and some of you probably have had this experience if you fly some. The, the plane, well, first of all, the plane is five hours delayed, so we're leaving here at 1130 at night. And the plane is packed. Every seat's packed. So I go in, and there's an empty seat next to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the one favor of God, right? Empty seat next to me. And then I'm looking, and this big heavy set drunk guy comes like barreling down the aisle. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and he comes and he's like right over me and he's putting his baggage in the, in the baggage rack. And then he's like, I stand up to let him in and he, and he starts pointing to my seat, which is the aisle seat, which I've paid extra for. I'm kind of claustrophobic, kind of particular on planes. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you're in the middle. And he's like, no, 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 you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I got the ticket, bro. And uh, so I'm, I'm already a little annoyed. And I'm a little annoyed because he's bigger. And you know how they just keep making seats smaller and smaller. So I know that 10 hours I'm going to be like this on that plane. And so we sit down and, and I said, hey, you know, I'm like, okay, choose to be nice, Robert. Choose to be nice because I'm already frustrated. And I'm like, hey, I'm Robert. And he's like, I, my name is Ben, you know, and he's a, he's a guy from India. And so he's a big Indian man, and he's drunk. And, and uh, I'm like, oh, awesome. He's like, have you been to India? And I said, uh, I have been to India. And we start talking about India. And, he's, and he goes, uh, 
what, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he pulls open his arm, and he's got a big cross on it. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> you got a cross on your arm. He's like, I am Catholic. And, uh, and I said, okay. And then, remember, we'd already talked about India. And then he looks at me again, and he's like, have you been to India? And I'm like, oh, mercy, Jesus. This guy is drunk as a skunk. And so I, I, I shut down the conversation. I'm like, there's no point in talking to this guy if he's going to ask me over and over again if I've been to India. So the guy knocks out for nine hours, and I, you know, try to sleep like this. And um, he wakes up right towards the end of the flight. And I'm like, dude, if you have made me suffer sitting next to you, you are going to hear my message. So I said, hey, Ben. I said, can I tell you a little more about that cross on your arm? Oh, sure. And so I, I pull open my iPad and I draw out a little diagram showing man on one side and God on the other and our sin separates us, you know, and I'm like asking him if he, if he can get to heaven and all these questions and, and he basically is trying to tell me that through his good works he's going to get to heaven. I'm like, that's not how it happens, man. It's through what Jesus did on the cross. And, and he starts telling me for five and a half weeks he's been, I mean five and a half months he's been serving on a cruise ship, you know, as a, as a lowly servant. And I, my heart starts breaking for the guy. And at the end, I'm like, man, that's why I'm sitting next to you, is Jesus wants you to come down. And right there, he just prays and gives his life to Jesus. And it was, it, it was, it was, it was awesome. And I was so glad that I chose to be kind to the guy. Because that was not my desire and I, today, I want to I talk about making godly choices and the choices that God blesses. That's how we're going to finish our series, because you, you're going to make a lot of choices in your life. I, I read a statistic yesterday, and obviously you can't believe everything you read on the internet, but it said that the average person will make 773,618 decisions in their life. How you come up with that? And they said, and listen, this is even better. And 143,262 of them you'll regret. (laughs) So bottom line is you're going to make a lot of decisions. You're going to make a lot of choices in your life. So how do we make choices that God blesses? We're in the Blessed Life series. How do we make choices that God will bless? Now, I had another interesting experience on this England trip because what I was doing is I was preaching in a church and then I was just consulting their their church and I was meeting with a couple who had been in the college group that I led for 10 years before coming to plant this church and the interesting thing is as I'm listening to them I am just blown away by how God is using them in England and I'm thinking you guys have so superseded my expectations and the reason why is because I used to lead this college group of like 800 college students. And you would see through our university these unbelievably gifted and talented people. And in our church, you'd have these very anointed people that the power of God was just on. They had charisma. Or this, this couple, they were so sweet. They were so great, but they were very normal. And as I'm sitting there talking with them that evening in their home, I start asking them about a lot of their friends because they weren't the leaders of their age group. They had these other friends that had these extraordinary giftings. And I was asking them about their friends and it was so discouraging 
because so many of their friends who had these incredible gifts or these charismatic or gregarious personalities, they had landed in ditches. I mean, blown up families, divorces, all kinds of sin issues. And, and then I'm looking at this couple who is very normal, and yet they had just accelerated and, and moved forward time and time again And finally, they were living very blessed and very fruitful kingdom lives. They were, in fact, helping lead this church in England. I was absolutely blown away by that. And I realized there, you know, life doesn't belong to the most gifted. The the victories don't always go to the most anointed. But kingdom fruitfulness and blessing goes to the person who makes the wise and godly choice time and time and time again. And and hopefully that encourages you this morning, because I know we can look around us and we can get overwhelmed at how normal we are. And and we can get frustrated, disappointed with just how average we are. But I want to tell you that as you continue to make the right choices, God gives you more and more and more. And that's what we're talking about this morning. I was thinking about when I was in college and a choice that I made. And, and the choice was this. For the first time, when I went to college, one of the main decisions I made, because I, I had had all kinds of ups and downs trying to be a Christian, but I finally decided I'm going to get serious about reading the Bible every day. Just this one choice. I'm going to read the Bible every day. And it wasn't like I'm going to spend hours in the Bible. I was just trying to read it for 10 minutes a day. And I started doing that. And I remember landing on my hall my freshman year in college and starting to read the Bible every single day. And I watched how my life started going one way and so many of my friends started going another way. As I read the Bible, it started influencing my decisions. I remember walking in. You know, when you go off to college, it's the first time that guys can just do whatever. So I'd walk into some guy's room. And they'd just be watching bad stuff like pornography. And I would immediately feel convicted because I knew from the Bible that I shouldn't be watching that. So I would walk out. And I watched those guys. And I even felt the atmosphere in their room just getting dark. And I watched their lives just start spiraling down. I also watched as I was reading scripture, I was convicted not to party anymore. I had been a guy that was always at the parties. And I watched my friends start going another direction, and within two months, there was a drug bust on my hall, and six of my friends were kicked out of college. And I went, wow, my decisions really impact me. And their decisions were destroying them. They just lost their opportunity to be in this university. Reading scripture was seriously impacting my decisions. That Today, I want to give you four reference points. If you're taking notes, four reference points reference points for making decisions because your decisions will determine your destiny. You can write that down. Your decisions will determine your destiny. So I want to give you four reference points and I want to start with that first one I discovered, which is reference point number one is scripture. What I want to do is I want to give you a a, a decision-making compass, a kingdom decision-making compass. If we can go ahead and put that up there. And the first one, due north on the decision-making compass, is Scripture. So 
growing up, for me, we spent a lot of time in the outdoors, and so my dad would always have a compass. Now, I love, that's one of the things I love about phones now, is that they actually have a compass. And so you'd go out in the woods, and so you wouldn't get lost, you'd have a compass. And how a compass works is you line it up to do north. You always line up the compass to north, and get that little that little arrow on top to point north. And that's how you align your compass. I want to tell you that you've got to align your life with scripture. You've got to align your life with scripture. I, I went on a lot of uh, trips as a kid. My family was good about going on, on vacation. Even when we didn't have much money, my parents would prioritize vacation. And if we didn't have much money, they'd just do something super simple. But this is typically how our vacations worked. My mom would look in these like family magazines and find these intriguing destinations for us to go to. Okay. Then we get in the car and then my dad always had a map. Any of you guys get in the car and your dad would always be studying a map. I mean, he would always be studying a map, even for places that we had been like 10 times. He'd have this map out in front of him. He was obsessed with maps. But here's the thing. We never got lost. Why? Because my dad was always scouring over a map. Now, two things you can apply for that. My mom knew where we were going, and my dad would always get us there. Why? She would find the destination in literature. My dad would use a map to get us there. Now, I never hear about people having a great vacation when they just set off not knowing where they're going. Okay? That's horrible. You could end up in like Yuma or something like that. El Centro, right? You don't you don't want, if you're from Elson, I'm so sorry. Um, we'll pray for you at the end. God's redeemed you. You're here. Uh, we, scripture shows us our end destination. And scripture also practically guides us to get there. I want to tell you, when you bathe your mind in scripture every day, It gives you a paradigm for understanding how to make wise decisions. So there's nothing more powerful you can do for living a wise life than soaking your mind, showering your mind daily with Scripture. This is the the number one reference point. I don't trust anyone who's not daily in Scripture. It's God's Word. Now, let's move to the, the southern point because the, the, the next point that, that's so important is what God speaks to us. The, the word of God, or the, let's call it the voice of God. Now, I, I didn't grow up in a church that believed that God spoke. So we believed in the scripture, but we didn't believe in the voice of God. So when I went on this Mexico trip, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about people getting on this Mexico trip is... You learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. So we would get together with our team and they'd say, we're about to go into this park and we're going to ask God to speak to us. So we're going to be quiet. We're going to silence ourselves and just listen for God. And I, I remember people would start sharing different things and I'm like, what? God is speaking to them? That's so crazy. But I remember going on an outreach and, and we said, well, God's going to speak to us. And our leaders would say, you know, you might hear kind of a, a whisper in your mind. Or you might have like a vision or an impression. Or, or you, you might have, you know, a, a prompting in your heart. And I, I remember closing my eyes and just seeing this woman in all Kelly green. I'm like, that is really weird. 
And I remember going out that night, and that whole night I'm watching, and no person comes up in Kelly Green. And so we go through our whole, our dance, our drama, do this whole thing. Nothing happens. And then right at the end, this woman is walking by in Kelly Green. And you better believe I was after her. I mean, she's like, whoa, big American, you know, what's going on? I run up to her. I say, you, you have to come in. You have to. And, and I, I bring her in to where we're all talking. And I start sharing with her. And she gives her life to Christ. And I realized if I wouldn't have had that impression in my mind where God spoke to me, that woman would have walked right by. So God did that, number one, for her because he loved her and wanted to highlight her. And number two, for me, to just prove to me that he's still speaking today. I want to tell you, the big decisions in my life have all been areas that God has spoken to me. This is what Jesus says. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. Okay, most of us would never think about just skipping all our meals. Just, we are going to eat. Every day, we're going to eat. Okay, if you're going to eat today, raise your hand. Okay, but, but, but here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, you can't live by just eating every day. You've got to hear the word of God. Let me ask you, who's going to hear God today in this room? Okay, there's like one-tenth of you. I appreciate your faith. I, uh, this is, is the basic building block of the Christian faith is hearing God. In fact, Jesus was in a time of temptation. It was when he was being tempted by the enemy that Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. John five nineteen. Jesus basically explains, he says, the son does nothing on his own. He only does what he sees the father doing. This was the model of Jesus's ministry. Is he, he'd listen to the father and then he'd do what he was saying. So many of us think that Jesus is just operating like just plain God walking around going healing, healing, multiplication. And Jesus said, no, I'm always listening to the father. And then the father points to someone and I go heal him. Or the father speaks this and I do this miracle. Or the father says this and I speak this. That's the model of your life is hearing Jesus and obeying. So the, the whole reason I moved to San Diego was because the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Moved to San Diego, planted a church. God spoke to me to marry my wife. Said, you're going to marry Stephanie Herman. And she's going to be a great mother of boys. Okay? We had no kids. Thank the Lord. We didn't have kids yet. But God was speaking to us. And how crazy. I end up with three boys, right? And a girl. And she's awesome. Mother of girl, too. But she... Every big decision I make, God is speaking to me. Let me just ask you, is that your MO? He wants it to be. This isn't just for pastors. This isn't just for leaders. This is for you to learn to hear God's voice. Start walking with it. How do you make your decisions? In, in Acts 13, it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, Set apart Paul and Barnabas. For the work I have for you. If, you. if you study the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, the Holy Spirit would speak time and time again, and the people of God would respond. This is the normal operating system of a New Testament believer. Okay, let's, let's keep going on from here. 
Man, I'm getting so excited. I'm skipping over all these wonderful verses I'm seeing in my notes. I need to slow it down. Oh, this is, this is, this is good. This is worth saying. Thank you, notes. Um, I, I'm in England, and I'm, I'm meeting with the head pastor. And, and, and we're driving in a car, and he goes, Robert, I just want to thank you. His name's Todd. He goes, I just want to thank you so much. He goes, we were in college, and we were both just students at the time. And he said, there was one day that I'm walking across campus, and you stopped me, and you said, Todd Roberts, you are a man of God. And he said, I was in a really dark place at the time. I was really doubting my faith. I was really struggling. And he goes, I remember the building you stopped me in in college, and you said that to me. I wasn't a pastor. I was just a, a student just trying to hear God's voice and, and do bold things. And so I stopped this guy, and I didn't even know. We weren't even friends at the time. I'd just seen him a couple times on campus, but I felt the Spirit saying, you need to stop that guy and encourage him. So I'm like, well, what do you say? You're a man of God. He said, that one event forever changed my life. You never know. What's good? I, I didn't even say, like, you're good at this. I just said, you're a man of God. You know, I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> now, he ends up getting involved in the, in the campus ministry I was in. And I go on to be the, 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 pa- the college pastor. And I remember one day just praying, who should, who should be my assistant? Like, who should be my administrative assistant? And I remember the Spirit just speaking, this guy named Todd Roberts. I didn't even know if he could do those kind of things. But I initiate with him. And, and bring him in. And it basically trained him in ministry. He goes, man, you taking a chance on me? I had no idea what I was going to do next with my life. And when you invited me to do that, I thought, that's it. And now I'm a senior pastor of a church somewhere. He said, thank you so much. And I just realized, man, the decisions we make. But I did that because the Holy Spirit spoke it to me. And now this guy and his wife and his kids and his church are changed. Because of that one little decision we made. He goes, those were the two life-changing moments of my life. Like, wow. You know, listening to God daily, you don't know how, what a big deal your decisions are. Let's, let's keep going. Cause I want to, I want to go to the third directional marker, which is this uh, West would be community. Now you've got scripture and everything has to align with scripture. Nothing's ever going to con- contradict scripture. Hearing God's voice. I just want to tell you, you're never going to hear God's voice speak outside of Scripture. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? Scripture actually says, don't go outside of these Scriptures. So everything's going to line up with Scripture. But then you need to hear from your community. God speaks a community. I just mentioned Acts chapter 13, the church in Antioch, where the Holy Spirit speaks to them together and says, set aside for us Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. I remember in college, I was starting to get really on fire and I, I was at this conference and we watched this video on Tibet and, and how Tibetan Buddhists were one of the most unreached peoples on the earth. So I got all fired up about it and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to be a missionary to, to Tibet. And I started planning towards that. And I remember... My roommate, who was totally seeking the Lord as well, came to me and he kind of pulled me aside. He's like, hey, can we talk, Herbert? I said, yeah, that, that'd be great. And he goes, you know, you've been talking about being a missionary to, to Tibet. He goes, I really know you. And that just totally doesn't fit you. You totally don't have those giftings. I was like. <laughs> and I went, okay. 
and, and all of a sudden, it was like a weight came off me because I didn't want to be a missionary to Tibet. Like, I don't like the cold. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm cold right now. My hands, if you shake my hands, my hands are cold. And we're in San Diego. And, and, and it's not because we always need to do things we like, but he was just calling it out on me. He's like, you're good with warm climate people, you know? And you're not, you're probably not that gifted for Sherpas, you know? And I want to tell you, it, it, just, it just set me free. Why? Because God confirms things through your community. He confirms things through community. I mean, I can't tell you how many times the community around me has spoken and confirmed things in my life. Oh, here's that embarrassing one, okay? The community, you've got your godly friends, but you've also got your godly leadership. Okay, your godly leaders. And the scripture is very clear that God puts leaders in authority over us to shepherd our souls. It's for our protection. And I want to tell you, if you don't like having leaders around you and over you, I want that to be a red flag for you because that's rebellion in your heart. And I want to tell you, it was rebellion and those seeds of rebellion that led this incredible angel, Lucifer, to depart from God's ways and to become Satan. So rebellion's very dangerous. Scripture says that the sin of rebellion is like witchcraft. Hello. I don't trust anyone that's not under authority. I, as a lead pastor, am under authority of a board of advisors. And I have a mentor who speaks into my life. And so you guys know about Jimmy that that speaks into my life. I remember one time I was praying and I'm like, I just want to be more bold for you, Jesus. I want to share the gospel with more boldness. And I had this thought that popped into my mind, which I thought was from God. I'm going to go and put a chair in the middle of the street. And people are going to have to swerve to not hit me. And they're going to stop and be mad at me and be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm risking my life to tell you about Jesus. And I was like, this is brilliant. And I thought, okay, you know, let's go through the little compass. You know, it's scriptural to tell people about Jesus. It's scriptural to risk your life, you know. And I kind of feel like I have this impression. And so I... I I called Jimmy and I was like, hey, um, can I just tell you my, my, my plan of what I'm going to do? And he went, Robert, that's stupid. <laughs> He's like, first of all, that's against the law and you'll probably be arrested. Second of all, like that's a totally wrong reason to risk your life and potentially die. Okay. You know, getting killed by like headhunters is one thing, but getting hit by a soccer mom in a suburban is a whole that's not martyrdom. That's just stupidity, right? So he's like, great thought, but just walk around and share with people, you know? I went, okay, awesome. So I just dropped it. I was so thankful though. I'm like, man, that really was dumb. But I I learned a great lesson that day is I need leaders speaking to my life because they protect me. They shepherd over my soul. And I want to tell you, sometimes I have dumb ideas and so do you. So, so God puts our community and our leaders in our lives to protect us. I, I, I want to tell you that people, uh, let me just ask you, are you submitting your decisions to godly community? Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Do you submit every big decision 
you make to community? Do you submit the decisions you make to leaders? I, I see people make some dumb decisions that I'm like, if you would have just asked your friend, they would have told you, don't date that person. Don't marry that person. Okay? Don't invest your money there. Right? Just silly decisions of people. Don't, don't go here. Don't do this. Don't, don't take that job. Let me tell you how serious I am about this. When God started speaking to us to come to San Diego years ago, I mean, it, it was powerful. God had spoken to me very clearly. I was having these very... I remember going to visit one of our churches, and no one knew that we were going to San Diego. This girl looks at me and goes, Robert, are you about to plant a church? And no one was supposed to know this. She was on a team that I was overseeing. I'm like, why do you ask? She goes, when I look at you, I see San Diego written across your face. (laughs) Okay, that clear. But you know what I did? I went and I submitted that decision to the, the leaders of our church that were over me, the elders of the church. And I said, guys, if you don't feel like this is from God, I won't go. Why? Because that's how much I trust that God protects me through leadership. Now, I am not saying this because I want to control you. I can barely control myself, okay? I I can barely take care of my own family. So I'm not like, don't send an email to me, okay, when you have a question. I don't don't want to get 10,000 emails like, hey, Robert, should I buy gas at USA Gasoline or Diamond (laughs) Share? I don't, no, I don't mean that. But I mean, when you're making a big decision, are you talking to your community? Are you talking to your life group leader? Are you talking to the person that disciples you? So I submitted that, and guess what? They, you, they, they, they came with, with an anonymous, not anonymously, unanimously, that's the word, and said, we totally believe you're called to plant a church in San Diego. And I had that affirmation to go and that confidence. I don't make a big decision without going to community. And, and listen to me, you can always find someone to tell you what you want to hear. So, so go, go to the godly community, you know, not the ones, you know, we're just going to say, Oh yeah, man, yeah, I did that. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one. Careful consideration. So you've bathed your, yourself in the word of God and you, and you have a decision. Maybe you're, you're, you're wondering if you should take this job or move to this place or marry this person. And you look scripturally, that's just going to save you a lot because some of it would be like, oh, wow, I shouldn't marry an unbeliever, you know, or wow, yeah, I shouldn't be a drug dealer. I can just see that from scripture right there. And then, then you're looking at what the voice of God and, and you're thinking, I want to do this. And the, and the spirit's speaking, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, you don't go past that. And then you go over to c- your community. Do you, do you see, this is just going to take some time. So you're not making these brash decisions. You're actually having a process to go through. And then you talk to community and leadership. But the last one is careful consideration. Let me explain it to you this way, because this is what Jesus says in Luke 14, 28 through 33. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? 
For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person has begun to build and wasn't able to finish. Or, verse 31, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not, he'll send a delegation with other and is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Let, let me just say, you guys know that we, we bought a house this past year, but I want to tell you three years before is when we started feeling led to buy a home in San Diego. Scripturally, I could see it from, from, from the book of Jeremiah to buy homes, plant vineyards, settle down. So I'm like, okay, I've got my scripture about I should buy a home. Okay, the word of God, God started speaking to us and had some real clear words about owning a home in San Diego. I went to my community, my leaders, and they said, yes, we believe you should do that. We believe you should start looking to do that. And all of a sudden, this home pops up. And we're super excited about it. And everything felt right about this specific home. And, and then we start counting the cost. And doing some careful consideration. And the house looked like it was a foreclosed home, so it looked like it was going to be one price. And then we went and really investigated in it and went and talked to some people. And we found out that this home was going to cost a million dollars. I don't, I mean, that's so out of my league. And I could have just dove in. I had the scripture. I, I, I had, the, I had the, the word from God. I had even community and leaders. But when I really dove in there and did my due diligence, I found out, yeah, it looked good on the outside, but it would have absolutely sunk me. And the second I found out that, that data, I just felt like back away. Back away from it. It saved me. And three years later, we end up with this absolute miracle home for a fraction of that cost. And all those same words lined up. Uh, this is why you've got to do your due diligence. You can't check your mind out in your decision-making process. And, and, and also, you need to consider the circumstances around things. This is, what, this is what Jesus said about the circumstances. Matthew 16, 2-3, he said, He replied, when evening comes, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning... Today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. These were, he was talking to fishermen, and they knew how to read the water by what the weather was like. But then he says this, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. Right? Some people in this room, you want to marry someone, and you're like, oh, I have a word. You know, the scripture says it's good to be married. I have this word about marrying this woman. Some friends think it's a good idea, but she hates you. Like, look at the signs of the times, brother. The girl doesn't like you. Okay? No, I'm just going to hold on, you know? No, I mean, no. That's dumb. She doesn't, she doesn't like you. She doesn't want to be married to you. She doesn't even want to go on a date with you, homeboy. I, here's, now, let me just tell you, the reason I say this last is because a lot of times people... They, they, that's the first thing that they try to react to is circumstances, you know. They're like, I walked by and I saw a flower and that means that I'm going to be a millionaire. And you're like, no, it's not. Like, Christians can make any circumstance like in their favor, right? You know, it's sunny today, you know, and that means she's going to marry me. And you're like, no, it's sunny because it's San Diego. So, 
That's why we base everything in the Word of God and why we need to get the intuitive Word and we, we need community and leadership. But you still need to look at your circumstances. I remember when I was called to, to San Diego and, and really processing this, that one of the things that kept happening, and I'm in Texas, everyone would keep coming up to me, and they didn't know what I was, what I was praying about, but I... I the amount of people that came to me in Waco, Texas, wearing San Diego t-shirts was crazy. I'd never seen San Diego t-shirts before. Then I remember walking into the gym, and there's one car parked in front of the gym in an emergency lane. And I look down, and I'm, I'm walking into the gym going, God, have you called me to San Diego? And I look down, and it's got a San Diego Charger license plate around in Waco, Texas. And I'm like, hello. That is crazy. The one car there. And sometimes God wants to speak to you through your circumstances. And so we want to keep an open heart. God, God, are you speaking to me? But it's aligned with these points of reference. The scripture, the spoken word of God, community, and then careful consideration. And, And let me just boldly end this way. 18 years of trying to live according to these principles by God's grace, I can look back and I don't have one regret about a big decision in my life in the last 18 years. I don't have one. And I say that because I believe that's what God wants to do in your life. Can you imagine looking back on your life and because you've put these principles as the foundations for your decision making that you look back and you're able to tell your children, and your grandchildren, maybe even your great-grandchildren. I don't have any regrets. I, I look back and I just see God's goodness and his hand upon me. Oh, it doesn't mean that everything went perfect, but I, I don't have these regrets of these decisions. I made. God wants to do that in your life. He wants to do it in your life. And it can start today when we stand up. Pray with me right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you, thank you, thank you that you want to empower this church to make godly decisions and that lives are going to be impacted, marriages are going to be helped, children are going to be empowered, grandchildren are going to have a legacy, businesses are going to be blessed, schools are going to be rocked, the city is going to be affected by the people of God making godly kingdom decisions and we're going to walk in peace because of it peace and joy and this thing I'm sensing from the spirit right now is there's some people in this room that you really deal with fear regarding making decisions and I just want every eye closed right now but if that's you if if when we talk about decision making you just say yeah fear comes up that I'm going to make wrong decisions that's something I've really dealt with in life that God has healed if that's you just raise your hand just God's going to see you no one's going to be looking around but just raise your hand because I want to pray for you all over this room there's tons of hands up Father, I pray over these ones that are just boldly saying, I have fear about making the wrong decisions. And I thank you, Lord, that you want the peace of God to rule and reign in our hearts. And I pray over every friend that's boldly raising their hands that you'd fill them with godly confidence in Jesus' name. Just keep your eyes closed. That the greatest decision that you can ever make is the decision that that girl made down on her knees in Sheffield, England, and that was to commit her life to Christ. That's the greatest decision you can ever make. Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. 
and to take away the punishment that you deserve so that you wouldn't have to pay for your sins, you wouldn't have to go to hell, but that you could go to heaven by his free gift of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he defeated the power of sin and death and now he's extending his hand to you and wanting to take you into his kingdom. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I just want you to pray with me right now. If you want to give your life to him, just pray this prayer right after me. Just say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask forgiveness for my sins. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Place your Holy Spirit in my heart. I'll follow you forever.